ladies and gentlemen around the internet, around the world, this is Desperately Seeking Entertainment. I'm your host, Ben Frawley, from the Onstage blog. Joined with us is Lynette Williams. What's up, Lynette? What up? And also, my esteemed colleague, my most non, 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 heinous friend, Josh Tonra. Woot. How are you, my friend? <laughs> oh, I'm doing good, dude. Doing good. Freaking, if you guys are joining us for the first time out there in the internet world, we go through entertainment stories of all types. We do theater, we do music, we do movies, podcasts, anything you got. We crunch them down into about an hour podcast. And so, with your quarantine bad self, you have tons of stuff to do and sit around and listen to and binge watch. That's what we do on this podcast. So, ladies first. Tonight, Ooh, Lynette, why don't you hit us off first. with what is important in the entertainment world this week? Well, what's important in the entertainment world this week is that last night... I went, I went to a, I went to a theater show. Whoa! I went to a live, a live theater show. It was wonderful. Um, I even paid for my ticket. Um, I paid five dollars, and I got to see Marissa Torme and Oscar Isaacs perform a one-act play called Beirut, uh, and it was absolutely wonderful. Um, Actually, this week I got to go to theater twice, now that I think about it, because I also got to go see a all-star performance of Sondheim. What the hell? I know. So theaters are finally trying to figure out what to do and how to maneuver this. Um, yeah, break it down. How did, How was this possible? So the Sondheim gig, it was a celebration of Sondheim's 90th birthday. Mm -hmm. That was a free, a free YouTube um, video watch, and it was for the, oh, how did I already forget the, uh, um, foundation? The foundation helps inner city youth, um, discover theater and do scholarships and things like that. Um, so it was free to watch and you can make a donation if you chose to. Um, but they had stars like Patty Lapone, um, Ben Platt and his best bestie there that's in, um, What We Do in Shadows mm -hmm. and, and Booksmart, I forget her name. Yep. Um, and, uh, like, I mean, a ridiculous slew of stars. So that one was free, though they did have some technical difficulties. They were supposed to start at 8. Current went up about 9, 9, 9.05. Whoa. They tried to go up at 8.30. Still didn't work. So then they shut it down, and then they came back. Um, that one you can actually still, you can watch. You can find it on YouTube if you go to um, Broadway.com's uh, YouTube page. Uh, they're still allowing streaming of it. So they recorded it and you can watch it at your will. Um, and it was phenomenal. The Beirut was a little different and I actually like it because it was more like a theater going experience. So I got an email from MCC Theater, which is a small independent theater in Off-Broadway um, in New York City that I get uh, newsletters to. And they sent out a thing saying they were gonna do a staged reading Tickets were $5 if you bought early, uh, $10 if you bought like the week before, and then I think it was $15 if you bought day of. Wow. Um, and all the proceeds go to the theater um, to keep it open uh, because they literally last season, so they've got, they got one full season in their brand new theater space. Oh, no. And then they, they had to shut the doors and they're just like, uh, <laughs> that sucks so uh, bad. What's going to happen to us? 
so it was um so i paid the five dollars i also made an extra five dollar donation to their be uh be the light campaign so for ten dollars i got to watch this amazing stage reading and and honestly i almost don't want to call it a staged reading because the move melissa torme still moved she still did the movements she had mm. props mm. um Oscar Isaacs had props. He was eating bananas that was supposed to be like pineapple out of a can. And like they had cigarettes and they they were they were able to utilize the camera to make you you knew exactly what was going on without right. the stage direction. You didn't really need the stage direction except for a couple of times. Most of the time you could just let them do the dialogue. And it was phenomenal. And the piece of course um is amazing in and of itself. It was written, um, Melissa Torme started in it back in 1987, originally, uh, when it was first produced. And it's, uh, it was written, uh, the author wrote it um, in response to everything that was happening with the AIDS epidemic. And so he basically took AIDS as if they didn't find any medication, flash forwarded it, and was like, mm. now we live in a world where you can't even touch people because they don't know how it's spread. So you you have That's to poignant. yeah you have to distance right. yourself. And then um, uh, people people are quarantined to specific locations, and and it, and it was it was very interesting. And then it's the story of these two the hopeful lovers that met at the very wrong time, and. It was, I think it was about an hour and 10 minutes and it was just, it was phenomenal. I felt like I was actually in a theater watching performance. Like I was clapping, even though they couldn't see me. <laughs> I was just like gasping when things happened. Um, it was really nice. And I hope, I hope that other theaters take their lead um, because what I found different from them is that they actually had the interactions they had it was obviously rehearsed um it they worked together they knew their scripts uh, and the only thing that kind of threw a mix in it was and i don't know if it was on my end or theirs there was some buffering issues mm. um so that that was a little weird but for that piece i think it actually worked because it's post it's not post-apocalyptic but you know it's futuristic so yeah, maybe maybe the government like did some weird thing so that oh, oh, you know you got glitches. <laughs> yeah, like at least that's the way my brain went. So, <laughs> well, I, you know, Lynette, I, I, you know, it's great. Thank you so much. This is a great story. Yeah. It's awesome. They did stuff like this. I mean, I don't know why I was thinking this right before we went on air. I was thinking about when we went to school for theater. Um, you know, there weren't, there definitely wasn't an internet where you could post videos of you know, yourself singing show tunes or doing right. monologues or anything like that. Uh, and there definitely, there wasn't even, uh, uh, what do you call it? The voice or American idol even, oh, you know yeah, what I mean? None of, that. None, none of that where, you know, in, in the late nineties, you know, singing in front of people or, or dancing from was definitely on the decline. Like no one gave a shit. Like Napster was right around the corner and we Napster were, was already there. yeah, we were, there were, the, it was there. And then everyone, the thought was, Oh, why do I need to go see a performance if I can just get everything for free? Right. And, and that's still there to an extent. But, you know, in this age, definitely now of quarantine, I think people are grasping for, um, 
you know, to watch live performances as, as the guys on the rewatchables said, uh, you know, going out porn, you know, like watching Ferris Bueller's day off is like, Oh my God, he's at a parade. Oh my God. He's at a Cubs game. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, Oh my God, I miss people so much. Uh, so, you know, uh, just this last weekend, I was watching this, um, play on festival and, and they, you could donate to the WHO, uh, foundation and then, or organization. And then, uh, also there's been trivia, Syracuse Trivia Night um, has a website, and they're going to do all proceeds go to the Vera House this weekend, which is a victim of violence shelter in uh, Syracuse. So there's a lot of like, I I love how this, if anything, this whole quarantine thing is making entertainment come to home, but it's like in very kind of um, great ways of raising money and raising awareness for great causes. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. So that would they do dialogue to each other, mm-hmm. like from their locations and stuff, yeah. and try to make it like sync up. Yeah, and they would. They were. Oh God. Oh, one of the things that I thought was phenomenal is, and I think it helps because both of them are not only stage actors but they're also movie actors. Is they they knew when to move into the um, camera. Mm. So like when they were trying to portray distance, obviously they would like step back. And, and I don't, I don't know if you, have you ever been to a staged reading before? Oh, like, like, uh, like a reader's theater kind of thing where they're yeah. reading? Yeah. 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 And they, yeah. and they have like, they don't move in reader's mm-hmm. theater other than very minimal movement. Um, it's like hands and stuff, but they don't move. Right. This was this, that's the reason why I, I almost, I know the, why they called it a staged reading because they didn't want to promise anything over that. But I would say that this was one, one over one one step above a stage it's somewhere in between a stage reading and an actual play gotcha um but yeah they were in their respective locations i mean oscar isaac was wearing a weed shirt <laughs> it had a little awesome. weed on the corner um i mean it fit his character so i know why he wore it um but they both knew like when it was an intimate moment and they were like if they were on stage together they would be in each other's faces right. like they move closer to the camera and, and you just felt that intimacy, even though I have a feeling they were probably on, I think Marissa, Marissa Torme lives on the East Coast, and I'm pretty sure Oscar Isaac lives on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. But like you thought, and, and you could obviously see they weren't in the same room, but you just still felt like they were. It was, that's, that's it was really good. And they did say, MCC said they were planning on bringing more, I don't want to say new, but more content like this. Um, where you pay a nominal price, um, and then it's actually like live theater. That's so. great. What's the name of the theater again? Just give it a big old plug. It's it's MCC Theater. Um, mm-hmm. It's in Manhattan. Um, on t- I think it's tenth, tenth and fifty first. My okay. friend Matt. My friend Matt's gonna kill me because he's like, it's my favorite theater, and it's right down the street from me. I can see it. Um, but it's the theater that did Alice by Heart last year okay. uh, with Duncan Sheik and um, the gentleman who wrote uh, Spring Awakening, which mm-hmm. hopefully, fingers crossed, of course, now it's probably going to push it back a year. Hopefully, Alice by Heart will transfer to Broadway. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, they do all new original works, very culturally diverse. Um, it's it's a really great theater. Honestly, if I could, if I could get a subscription there and know that I could get down there, I would. 
That's awesome. Awesome, Lynette. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That is definitely a future date for us to go to a live theater in New York City. Yes. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, my God. Uh, Josh Tanra, what's on your burner this week, bro? Oh, I got a question for you, Ben. Yeah. Who, who, who's, your, who's your favorite sports celebrity couple? Who's your favorite celebrity couple? Uh, maybe one of them is a is an athlete. Maybe both okay. of them are athletes. Who's your favorite one? Okay, okay. Uh, when I was a kid, <laughs> they came out with this card series of sports athletes' wives. And I'm a huge fan of Mrs. Gretzky. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to put that out there. Uh, Teenage Ben, huge fan of Mrs. Gretzky. I don't know if... Uh, Janet Jess? Jones. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> There's my answer. Lynette, you got a favorite celebrity couple? Maybe I mean, maybe athletes, maybe not. I mean, no, I was never that girl. Because I was the one that was always in love with somebody in the couple, so I always wanted them to break up anyway. Um, <laughs> though, honestly, like, dynamic, I got to give it up to the Obamas, man. If oh, I ever do find true Barry. love, man, I hope it looks like that. Yeah, Barry. <laughs> so the the reason that I ask, I always, I mean, for, for, for me personally, like my favorite celebrity sports couple uh, was always uh, Nomar Garcia-Pera and Mia Hamm. Mm -hmm. And it was, ob it, the, the obvious reason was Nomar was my guy for the Red Sox. And, and you know, Mia Hamm was like the best uh, USA soccer player ever. At least for you know at the at the time, um, but I, I think I found a new champion um, and stumbled stumbled across them today. I, I actually they're two people that I really liked. I just didn't know they were a couple, or at least I'd forgotten about it. Uh, Sue Bird, uh, former UConn basketball player, WNBA star, mm -hmm. uh, is I don't know if she's married to Megan Rapinoe. Or if they're engaged, um, I mean, obviously you guys know who Megan Rapinoe is, um, famous yeah, USA soccer yeah. player. Uh, she was actually, I think, she was player of the uh, player of the tournament at the World Cup last year. She the uh, one with the purple hair. Oh yeah, the blonde. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're yeah, yeah, engaged. yeah. That, yeah it says partner. Know. It says partner. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so they they, they are engaged, um, but they've undertaken a a new partnership. They have a new uh, Instagram show called uh, a touch more uh which i stumbled across today thank you to the the good folks at jezebel.com uh who had the uh the the link on it was uh you know your new favorite sports obsession is uh you know your favorite female couple getting drunk and talking shit and <laughs> all right i gotta check this out so they they now have they now have a show together it's on youtube also called a touch more Again, it's hosted by Sue Bird and Megan Rapinoe. They have their their friends on, um, and it's just a four-hour – well, the last episode was four hours of them drinking and talking with uh, Diana Taurasi and her oh, wife, uh, Penny Taylor, um, who's a, a, a basketball coach also. Um, they're hilarious. They're adorable. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, it's coming on – I don't know why, I th I, like, it, 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 this dichotomy is happening right now, but, like, the same day I'm finding out about this, I'm reading about, uh, you know, noted uh, cigarette-smoking quarterback Jay Cutler <laughs> getting divorced from Whoa. Uh, Kristen Cavallari. Oh, I didn't know who, that. Yeah, but, like, 
I know I know of them, but I couldn't tell you like I couldn't tell you who she was if you held a gun to my head. Well, from the league, I know her from the league. Oh, <laughs> okay, but even but even then, I don't remember who. Like, I remember. Didn't she play she herself on the league? Yeah, she played herself, and she was on that uh, that fake reality show, right? Right, like The Hills or something like yeah, that, right? Yeah. Okay. See, but I don't I don't know who that is. I don't know what that show. I know of that show, but I don't know what that show is. Wait, hold on. Wait, was she the main play? Like, she was one of the main staples on The Hills, right? Yes. Christian Cavalier. Yeah. Oh, all right. Then I know who you're talking about. Okay. Wow. Do you know who Jay? Do you know who Jay Cutler is? I know the name. I feel like he's a because I feel like I know him from the league. Because isn't he a football player? Yes. Yeah. So so here's the thing. Like, guy it's looks the op- drunk all the time. That guy. Yeah. It, it's yeah. like the op- the opposite for me. Like I intimately know who Jay Cutler is, but could not tell you who Kristen Cavallari is, and and other people would know who she is and not know who Jay Cutler was is at all. And like he was a mediocre quarterback. Like should have been good, but a mediocre mediocre quarterback. But anyway, like it's a there's your traditional celebrity heterosexual couple um, floundering in uh, uh, Corona quarantine, um, and Megan Rapinoe and Sue Bird are killing it, just killing it. Um, if you guys look, I, nobody's got four hours to invest in watching a single podcast. Um, I mean, maybe we, we could try for it. Um, but I love a watching party. <laughs> I know that I like, I kind of, I watched a little bit of it, you know, walked away, made some coffee this morning, came back, watched some more of it. It was awesome. Right. It was awesome. Right. And good for them. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Good for Diana Taurasi. Um, you know, shout out to Ben's parents. Uh, I just, I just are, sent it to my dad while we were, ta- like while you were talking. The, who are the world's only and biggest UConn fans? Um. <laughs> well, I mean, Josh, you go down to Connecticut. Everyone's wearing, you know, UConn pullovers, and unlike Syracuse, it's definitely for the women's team. It's definitely not for the men's team. <laughs> right. Uh, but I, I thought, I thought for sure you were going to talk about Brady and Gabrielle, or the model. What's her name? Uh, oh, Bunchen. Giselle. Giselle. I always want to call her Gabrielle, and then I start thinking of Gabrielle Union, and I'm like, that's the wrong celebrity couple. Mm. Yeah. Can you imagine Brady no. and Gabrielle Union? Mm. You know, I, I need – well, there's a couple that I really like, too, is Dwayne Wade and, and Gabrielle Union. Like, I actually – I need my celebrity couples. Like, it, it, it actually will not have anything to do with my fandom. Um, like, they don't have to be Red Sox. They don't have to be Philadelphia Eagles or, or anything like that. Like, I have to – like who they are personally, and and usually agree with them politically. Oh well, so, so they don't have to be Red Sox. So you would you can get behind uh, A Rod and J Lo. Well, no, because politically, no, because I don't agree with them politically. So, but here, like well, I would politically run politically on the field. But no, <laughs> I'll run into <laughs> I'll run into the issue with like I really like the in theory the the Jack and or um, Zach and, and Julie Ertz. Um, Zach Ertz, the, the tight end for the Eagles, is a well, great tight end. Well, yeah, Julie Ertz, amazing soccer player. They they tend to be a little conservative. I don't mm. necessarily, you know, agree with uh, with where the, with their stance on things. I'd like them both as athletes. I mean, theoretically, I like them as a couple. Um, they have, I, you know, I should say this: they haven't done anything to make me dislike them yet. Josh, you know, the, Josh, the day Josh. may come. Josh, quick quick question. What's worse? Sure. What's worse? Uh, A-Rod slapping the ball out of Bronson Arroyo's hand as that game five, 
or getting a call from President Trump uh, during the coronavirus? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were getting a lot of the. I mean, clearly the 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 worst thing is Era slapping the ball out of Arroyo's glove. And we were getting plenty. Yeah, we were getting plenty of robocalls before. We would make we would make Lucy and Tilly answer the phone when uh, when Donald Trump called. Is that what those calls? I I kept getting calls just from the United States, and it just said potential spam. The United well, States. Ha- have you done your census yet? Oh <laughs> no. I should probably do that by tomorrow, right? Yeah, plug. Well, it, it was, yeah. you know, you got to get it in. You should get it in. Yeah. I'll do it. Yeah, it's just like my license. They gave me extra days on my license. Don't make Josh go to his office corona. for you. Don't make Josh go to his office for you, okay? It, uh, no, 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 no. It's, it's it federal. Your, it's federal. It expired during corona. They can't, they can't, they can't do anything because DMV is shut down. Mm. I get to drive willy-nilly. <laughs> Unlike that time in college where I drove willy-nilly for yeah, riding dirty, riding dirty, riding dirty for <laughs> you want jo- actually Josh, you might like this. I got I got caught riding dirty with my friend Lana and our other friend Josh while we were listening to New Edition "Cool It Now," awesome. and I totally got pulled over and busted to that song. <laughs> cool you never it hear, now. You never hear that song the same way again. No, <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> You better slow it down. And I was speeding. And that's why they got me. I never paid the ticket. And they were like, we're suspending your license. It was a great thing. Anyway, back to celebrity couples. Yeah. Is that why I drive you to the Chinese buffet all the time? Yep. Wow. Anyway. Lynette doesn't need to get an AUO. You drive, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) She always rode in the back back seat, even if no one else was in the car. Yes. (laughs) That's right. It's called reparations. It's just driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> anyway, so. That's what I got. That's my first story. Excellent story. I like um, yeah, I loved it. Uh, so let me talk about something that was big in my life this weekend. Uh, the Beastie Boys story, the movie, came out on Apple TV. If you happen to see it or have a friend with Apple TV or see it bootlegged on YouTube two hours after it was released, you got to see this <laughs> Awesome documentary slash stage performance by Ad Rock and Mike D, and with a tribute to MCA Adam Yauch. Uh, it was great. Directed by Spike Jones, uh, funny, uh, lots of stories that weren't in the book, stories that were kind of brought upon in the book. Um, but then uh, the reason why I'm reporting, it, I thought it was great. If you're a super fan, you're gonna of course love it. If you're a casual fan of the BC Boys, I, I think you'll love it. Um, Katie was entertained while listening to it. Um, and watching it. So, but as a super fan, what I loved about it was the after party videos on YouTube. There's a great video with Jimmy Fallon and Questlove with Mike D and Ad Rock talking about the importance of Paul's boutique and how Questlove just would memorize that album like other BC fans like like me and just have it like on the wall and memorize the lyrics. And then also there was an after party video with Mike Dean, um, Ad Rock and Spike Jones that's on YouTube just for free. And those videos are, if not funnier, just as good as the movie itself. Uh, did you guys get a chance to see this yet? I did not. I don't have Apple TV and I did as Ben. Yeah, guys, <laughs> what am I rolling in dough over here <laughs> make it happen? Um, well, I'm also, I'm a casual Beastie Boys fan. I was actually thinking about that because Intergalactic came on while I was driving around in the sun 
with like my roof open and stuff. And I was just like, this is, I love this song. Like, this yeah. is really one of my favorite songs. Yeah. And I, yeah. Oh, yeah. So well, yeah, I'll get it. I'll find it. Well, like I, I was listening to music, uh, uh, music exists, a podcast, and they were talking about, um, bands that don't age well or don't keep their brand up. Mm. And I feel like the Beastie Boys are still in the lexicon now, whether it be or lexicon or still in the kind of ether of pop culture and whether it be that they came out with a book and they came out with this movie. But I feel like their songs are still being licensed, um, like uh, the the Last Dance documentary with, about Michael yeah, Jordan dude. and the Bulls. They played yeah. the maestro off of yeah, Check dude. Your Head. Uh, while Rodman is throwing people to the ground. And I was like, oh my God, the maestro was written for Dennis Rodman. Like it was so perfect for the moment in the documentary. And I love that song. Like I have that song memorized. Like I remember raking leaves in my grandfather's backyard, listening to that song over and over and over again. And I was like, oh my God, did, did Ad-Rock write this song for Dennis Rodman? It was so perfectly timed. And I, there's something about their music. This is just my take. Um, that is so unique. And I think that's what this documentary points out. It, it's kind of like this perfect storm. Like you have these teenage punk rock kids growing up in Manhattan, just in, ingesting all this hardcore, bad brains, punk rock music, Henry Rollins music. And then they're like, oh, you know, we'll make the band pop, our band popular, more popular as we come up with a rap song. And we like rap music. And then just so happens they meet like, Russell Simmons and uh, oh my god, it's just such a weird storm that these people are popular. But then you have this world of creativity that I don't know if we'll ever see something like it again, just because of there is nothing like 1980s, early 1980s New York City anymore. I don't know. It, no. It's just a great documentary. It just gets your brain firing. It's great. Do you do you find it interesting? I always find it interesting because like we. Um, you and I have talked about the evolution of hip hop on Netflix, that series and stuff like that. And um, I always find it interesting that whenever they're talking about rap and they start talking about white rappers, they never talk about the Beastie Boys in the sense yeah. that they talk about Eminem as being a white rapper. They talk about like, oh, Vanilla Ice, whatever, white rapper. Um, but Beastie Boys is just they're just rappers. They never, ever separate them as white rappers, which I always, I think in that genre is just culturally significant that somehow they didn't, they didn't get that label. They were just rappers. They were from the city. They got their thing done. We respect. They're just part I, of the lexicon. I think if they had never evolved past License to Ill, they maybe would be thought of in the same breath, that same sort of like, as, I, as it's, a, it's a great album, but like yeah. it, but, but if that's all they, if that was the only shit that they ever did, they'd be seen as like gimmicky or something True. like that. Right. But they took such a, a left turn with Paul's boutique. And then they, then they were kind of gone for a while, not a long while, you know, a year or two. Um, and they, they just kept reinventing themselves. And they came yeah. back check, with, like, instruments yeah, check your, and stuff. Check right. Your Head came out. Right. Like, it's got a little bit, like, it's got their old style stuff, but it's got some punk, you know, some more punk influence on it. Um, then uh, they, they came out with, uh, was it Ill Communication? Ill Communication. Yeah. yeah. Fucking, like, huge album. Huge album. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Um, 
I mean, I my personal favorite is is Check Your Head, but yeah, you know, it's bad. because I was fourteen when yep. it came out. Yep. Like that was right in my in my wheelhouse. But I, but I think because they kept reinventing themselves while always being who they were, um, they're never in that. Like I like I said, like the the uh, the conversation of being like a gimmicky white rapper. Sure. Right. Yeah. Like in this whole, the whole documentary, the thing that spoke to me as a giant music nerd was, you know, it starts with Mike D and he says, I think it starts with this line. Like I remember when I was 14, I was introduced to the band called the clash. And right then I knew there was someone in this world that was weird like me and which the clash and the beastie boys are very similar in the fact that if you pick up, uh, an album, Sandadista by The Clash, um, which has like reggae dubstep tracks and punk rock songs and rock songs and pseudo rap songs in the early 80s. I mean, that's what the Beastie Boys album was. And so that's what their albums are. And so when I was a kid, I mean, you can listen to Ill Communication and and uh, Check Your Head. And there's kind of there's jazz songs on there. There's kind of funk groove songs that kind of sound like Curtis Mayfield with like the wah wah guitar. And so when I got older and went was gotten to jazz band and I started getting into jazz, it was an easy transition for me because I was like, oh, that's just like the track after the Q-tip track on Ill Communication. You know what I mean? It was an easy transition for me. It wasn't like such a huge jump where I was like, oh, I don't know any jazz music. I was like, yeah, it's kind of like this Beastie Boys song. So I, I don't know. It just the documentary kind of wrapped up their career in a really cool way and why we appreciate this band and, and maybe Lynette, why they're not kind of pinholed into that evolution of hip hop. But at the same breath, though, it is weird that they're not even mentioned in that whole series. Maybe the yeah, guy was waiting for like an interview like, because like LL Cool J. After Wait, in, in, in which series? Uh, the evolution of hip hop. No, Dude, they're, they're definitely they're in, in hip hop. Yeah, there. they're in hip hop evolution. I mean, mean, they're not. They, they don't have a big part, but they're definitely in there. He definitely mentions them. I don't know. I must have like blinked during KRS One and Beastie Boys because I don't remember them at all. <laughs> and they're very well, important to hip hop. <laughs> I think. What was I gonna say? Because, well, KRS KRS One wasn't he on the West Coast one? He's anyway. East Coast. He's an East Coast guy. Boogie yeah. Down Productions. Look, in my house, there were only three, three, three groups ever in the history. Well, new edition, <laughs> definitely new edition, right? No, no, no. Listen, that were banned in my house. There was only <laughs> three groups that were banned in my house. Do you want to? Oh. You ready for this? Yeah. It was N.W.A., oh. Guns N' Roses, <laughs> and Beastie Boys. Oh, it's like really your group. Yeah. <laughs> because my mom. NWA for obvious reasons. Uh, right, that was scandalous at the time. <laughs> uh, my mom banned Guns N' Roses because she heard the news article about that they mentioned Helter Skelter and Nazis, and that she was like they're racists. So she's like, you're not allowed to listen to Guns N' Roses. Wait, wait, she didn't even need to hear One in a Million to figure out that they were racists. No, she just, she just, she just heard the. Heard the wow. Report. Yeah, Google that. <laughs> and then, um, and then Beastie Boys, I wasn't allowed to listen to because one of her friends got got her son's the Beastie Boys album, like the first one, and she was like, I can't believe the words coming out of this, and she's like, Never, Beastie Boys aren't allowed in the house. 
those were the three albums I was not. I could, and I we're talking about the girl that watched Flashdance when I was four. Like, <laughs> but I wasn't allowed to listen to these in the house. It was I mean, crazy. To Josh's point, I mean, they do make a lot of uh, jokes about PCP on License to Ill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's even like my mom was care. My mom wouldn't care about the drugs. She cares about the language. <laughs> But even oh, Mike gosh. D in the book was like, I've never smoked, I've never smoked PT, PCP or I've never hung out with anyone PCP, but at the time I thought it was funny. <laughs> 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 but anyway, it's a great documentary. If you guys can catch it or bootleg it somehow, totally check it. Um, but just put this out there. Uh, there's a seven day free trial on Apple Music that you can totally just hop on and then watch the movie and then get off. So Nice. Yeah. And I'm sure so that's, that's what you did. You got off. I got off tons of times. <laughs> Yeah, and I think Captain America's got a new show that's on Apple TV also. Yeah, it looks um, good, too. It does look good. It, he's, uh, Chris it, Evans, it's a, not actual Captain America? Oh, no, no, he's Captain no, it's, America. It's Cap, dude. I yeah, mean, it's is, Cap. It's America's ass. Steve Rogers, now and America's forever. <laughs> awesome. Oh, All right, Lynette, Yeah. what do you got for story two? All right, baby? story two. It's an oldie but a goodie. So... I have this wonderful, I don't know if I've talked about it before, but I'm going to talk about it again. I have, now that we have all this time on our hands, this wonderful pop chart poster called 100 Essential, Essential Films. And the pop, chart, uh, the pop chart poster is um, essentially based off the AFI Top 100 uh, with a few, uh, few one-offs, uh, like... Um, my poster has 12 Years a Slave, whereas AFI does not have that. Um, and then the cool thing about my pop chart poster is that you get, it's a scratch off. So like you get to scratch off the movie once you've watched it and yep. then a new image appears. P.S. Sophie's Choice, heartbreaking. I was crying for oh. hours after I scratched off Sophie's <laughs> <Jesus>. Choice. <laughs> uh, well, because it's two kids and then you scratch it and one kid disappears. Oh, <laughs> God. Anywho, so I've decided that I have all this time on my hands, and I was going to go through the AF, AFI Top 100. All right. Says that they've updated their list. So they have the 10th anniversary edition, and then the original edition that they came out with in, like, 1996 or some crap. Yeah, I watched that one when I was working at the video store. That was the one I watched, yep. Yeah. Either way, I've got 45 on both of the lists. It's Ooh. weird how that works. But Philadelphia Story just put me over to 46 on both of them. Now... The thing that I have noticed is that even with the newest update, the cultural diversity on this is still very much lacking. Yeah, they haven't updated it that much. Yeah, like, I think they added do the right thing and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really like, I, I still haven't, okay, Cabaret is kind of gay. Um, I guess. I can say that because I love them and I'm, you know, bisexual. Um, but for the most part, it's it's all still very mainstream white guy kind of stuff. So my question to you gentlemen, you know, being token whites, what would you add to the AFI's top 100 to add diversity, whether it be feminine, Asian, African, like black American, what movies do you think are missing? It's a great question. Ben, do you want to go first? Do you want me to... Um, I've, got, well, um, I've got thoughts. 
I got some thoughts. All right. All right. I got a couple thoughts. And maybe I'll go first, Josh, and then I'll I'll think about my second thoughts. But first off, off the bat, I would, you know, so there's some things on the AFI Top 100, like Birth of a Nation, that are groundbreaking because they are, you know, the first uh, feature-length film, but they're wicked racist. You know they what I mean? They also color for the first time. Uh, with the shading. Yeah, well, Phantom yeah. of the Opera, they did the same thing where they colored the cells. It's around the same time. But, uh, yeah, the um, it's it's on there because it's the first feature length. You know what I mean? Um, which it and, has been removed. Right, for the updated. But I think that, you know, if you're going to put things on the AFI list that are historical because they reached some achievement, but they haven't aged well, or there's some sort of flaw... I would think about putting some black exploitation on there from the 70s. I knew you were going to say that. Things that I find that are very important because, I mean, with those movies came a sense of reality and rawness that is almost, we, we don't even like think about it now in movies. Like when things seem too fake in a movie, we're, we get disappointed. Mm-hmm. Where the grittiness and rawness of a New York City landscape from Superfly or Shaft or something like that, um, we, we take it for granted now. Like even, like, I mean, we're joking about Captain America. I mean, there's grittiness that happens in the Marvel movies that takes, you know, homage to some of those movies. Like, uh, the Trouble Man soundtrack in Captain America Winter Soldier, my one of my favorite MCU movies, they're lifting from that soundtrack. There's things that are gritty in those movies that they are taking place of. So I think they, those movies are still kind of important to this day. So I don't understand why movies like that are not in, in there. But then you look at John Singleton. I, I don't know why there's not – is Boys in the Hood on the no. AFI? That's a that's a crime. I mean, how right? much Den, how much Denzel is on the AFI? Like None. Denzel, there's no not a Denzel. I do not believe there is a single Denzel because then I think my numbers would have skyrocketed. <laughs> like there's no Training Day on no. the AFI. Like if anything, Glory. I think Glory would have been the Glory, Denzel movie. Training Day. I mean, jeez. I mean, Devil in a Blue Dress. I mean. I, I remember. I remember. I love Devil in a Blue Dress. I don't know if that movie is still as good as I remember, but I, I don't know. Like, if Training Day is not, I, I could say I, I'm going to say Training Day and and that. Josh, what do you got? So Training Day, Training Day, and Blake and Black Exploitation, like Dolomite yeah, or or Cleopatra Jones. Well, it's got to be something better than Dolomite. Yeah, Dolomite's I mean, not a good movie. I, I mean, if we're gonna do, if we're gonna say like a, a you know a good exploitation movie, I would say Superfly is probably the one that makes it onto the onto the list. It's still rough around the edges, though. That movie's rough. Superfly? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, but the soundtrack is so good, and it's... The soundtrack. It's, I mean, listen, you're the, talking about my it, favorite movie. It's the gold standard for the, for the like, the exploitation movies. But it's a, it I, it, it, that's not a wormhole I want to go down. Right. The, the issue is the, the AFI is a voted-on list. And mm-hmm. so... The members of the American Film Institute are predominantly white, predominantly people who were involved with the overhaul of the studio system in the 1970s. Yep. So it's the it's and not to take away anything from the Coppolas and the Spielbergs and Lucases and the De Palmas because they're great, but it's 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 kind of hero worship for for those guys. Um, 
And and so that's how you end up with a lot of that. The, the, the way to expand the list is, is to expand uh, who's actually involved in making the list. Um, and, and Lynette, I don't know if you've listened to the uh, podcast Unspooled before um, yeah. with uh, uh, Paul, uh, Paul Shear and uh, Amy Nicholson. No. But they're, they're doing the same thing. They're going through the 07 uh, AFI Top 100. Um, and this is a frequent topic of conversation for them, is the lack of uh, diversity in film, the lack of diversity on the list, the lack of female representation, uh, the, last, the lack of uh, homosexual representation, the lack of Asian representation. So um, I, I would say check that out while you're, while you're doing this. You know, that being said, some of the movies that came, that, that came to my mind right away um, – Two Ang Lee movies, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which was like mm-hmm. a phenomenon when it yeah. came out in the States, um, but also uh, Brokeback Mountain, which if it's not on the list, it's criminal. And that, it's that's not. really it's one of the... That's out of control. I mean, that's one of the best movies of the of the aughts. I mean, I know it didn't win Best Picture. That was a travesty. Like, there's a lot was of things Crash that went or wrong. Something? Didn't Crash went over it? Yeah, no, no. Crash won a different year. It just, but it was, and not the good crash, not the Cronenberg crash. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, you mean the the traffic? No. No crash. Sandra Bullock. Oh, I always get trash, trash, trash. Wow, I gotta stop drinking the champagne tonight. Crash and traffic. (laughs) Yeah, I get those those two mixed up. So Chris traffic. Those those were two that those were two that popped into my head right away. Um, another one, uh, just cause there just aren't enough, uh, foreign language films on there. And I, and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is one, um, Pan's Labyrinth, uh, the Guillermo del Toro movie, uh, cause there isn't a lot of, uh, Hispanic representation, uh, on the AFI, uh, 100, um, you know, do the right thing was an addition to it. I would agree with both of you that I, I think Boys in the Hood needs to be on there. That's silly. Um, That's silly. You know, uh, as far as the the you know Denzel movies, I, I'm not. A, Training Day was good, and I liked Come it. On. Good, and I, I love Glory. I, I I will always think his best performance was was X. It was, oh. was playing out. It was Malcolm X, which is another Spike Lee movie. That's an epic movie. That that should be on there too. Yeah, and I mean, there's. I, it, it's the it's the places where you where you make cuts that sometimes becomes a problem, um, but like I, how many you know song and dance musicals do you need from the 30s and 40s? Right. Look, don't don't diss the musicals. Don't I'm not there. I'm not dissing the musicals. But you have like that's true. Do, There's a lot. You need do you need to have Top Hat and Singing in the Rain and you know all the other ones? Do, or, can we have Country one of them? Falls. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, and, uh, you're gonna I have thinking, to. Oh God! You're gonna have to like, Citizen Kane's got to be there. Casablanca, the the Godfather. God. I mean, like the the, the classics movie. have to be there, but there's some that are that are flawed. I mean, Citizen Kane is number one, and it has not moved. It's still at number one. Still, it, it, no. It, <laughs> I mean, the the question is, it, it, there's an argument to be made for the Godfather. I think, as a, as a number one, I think it's number two. It is number two. Yep. Um, it moved up one. Yep. I think Wizard of Oz is right near the top, also. 
Wizard of Oz moved down. Wizard of Oz actually went down four points. Raging Bull moved up uh, 20 points to Whoa. number four. Whoa, there you go. So, uh, and that's yeah. another one. Like, how many, like, I love Martin Scorsese. Like, how many Martin Scorsese movies are on there? Taxi Driver's definitely on there. Taxi Driver's on there. Help me out with what are the other Good, Scorsese. Goodfellas and Casino? Is that on there? Goodfellas is on there. Casino is not. You know, Raging Bulls on there. Um, but there was, there was a. I don't know. I like. I don't know where where to make the cuts. The seventies well, are overrepresented on the AFI one hundred. Yeah, I will say that. Well, um, and I was thinking. I was thinking about um, you know female characters. You know, because we're talking about you know people of color. But how about like, how about Furiosa? Is Mad Max Fury Road on there? No, it is not. But though it I think it, be, came, it came out after the 07 list. It did. It did. Uh, but what about Hurt Locker? Was it, when was Hurt Locker? 2009, I want to say. Ah, yeah. so it came out of the 2007. Okay. But, but I mean, is Alien on there? No. Wow. Alien really? isn't on there or Aliens? No. Nope, really? neither. Nope. Oh, no. I would put both those on there. Just screw it. <laughs> If you want a if you want a strong female lead, is, there's no one better than Ripley. Come on. That's true. Well, I don't know. There's she would have to go up against Catherine Hepburn, Audrey Hepburn. Actually, no. I actually now that I think about it, I don't know if there's a single Audrey Hepburn movie on here now because they got rid of My Fair Lady. Wow. Um, uh, isn't Breakfast at Tiffany's on there? No, it is not. Wow. Well, they got rid of Breakfast at Tiffany's. It was never on it. What about uh, what about Sabrina? Nope. I Jesus not, Christ. I, I seriously think there's not a single Audrey Hepburn movie on here. That lady's a fucking hero. But there's like three Catherine, Catherine Hepburn movies on here. Um, but they, you know what I just realized is they literally traded one for the other. So they put on Do the Right Thing, but they took off Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. But you know what? I, and and this is probably going to sound. This is not. It is going to be a, a thing for less less inclusion. Um, between those two. Well, no, I was thinking between uh, in the heat of the night and uh, guess who's coming to dinner? Like, if there's going to be one Sidney Poitier movie that's got to stay, it's got to be in the heat of the night. Well, in the heat of the night. Oh, so I'm sorry. There were two movies added. So in the heat of the night was added. Oh, okay. okay. So right. I'm sorry. I just realized. Yeah, that. that movie kicks ass. I love that movie. So, um, yeah, it's just it's interesting. Well, you know what, Lynette? Maybe we gotta come up with a onstage top 100. I think I'm thinking that's what we're gonna do, Ben. That'd I be really interesting, and like maybe we submit, like you, me. Chris. And Josh submit, and then Chris like navigates and puts it together, compiles it. Well, I think Chris will have opinions as he is. That's going to be wild. That's going to be wild. That list would be so wild because I just watched one of my favorite movies of the 20th century, Suspiria, which would never touch the <laughs> AFI top 100. Now, see, I need to watch the original because the new one was oh. amazing. I love oh. the new one. Oh, really? I did. So I, I well, you'll love the, the you'll love the original. I, okay. I I didn't like the remake because it, it any horror movie and listen it was good, 
but it got a little too um, CGI at the end. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, whenever I smell CGI in a movie, I'm like, all right, I'm out. Like, it's not scary anymore. So I'm just, that's just me being a movie nerd, so. That's funny, because I think I think I was so in it that I didn't notice the CGI. And I'm usually that person that's like, that CGI, uh, oh, 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 that's CGI. Right, right. But you'll then you'll like the original. Same setup, same everything. Okay. You'll love it, yeah. Right. Right, please, well, li- please limit your list to only six uh, Dario Argento movies on your 100. I'll try my best. Um, so, uh, Josh, what do you got for number two, buddy? Hey, buddy. Speaking of movies that'll make the make the list, you want to talk about Star Wars? Of course, always. All right. Lot of star, lot Sorry. of Star Wars news. I've been building it up for uh, for a little while. Um, so, and I know I've mentioned it before. If you guys aren't watching Clone Wars, you really should be. Uh, it's excellent. It, they're down to their last uh, their last two episodes, uh, but they're, they're closing out the series with this uh, four episode arc. Um, that's the prequel movie that should have been made. Um, it's been that it's been that good so far. Uh, great voice acting. Um, the animation's awesome. Like it's battle scenes all the time. Um, it's it's really good. Um, I, w- I wish we'd had that, but that's going to wrap up. Uh, they have a new episode dropping on Friday and then the following Friday will be the last episode of Clone Wars. Now, that being said, they've already done this to us twice. Uh, those of us that watch the show that like last season, not going to have any more episodes. And then, you know, they came out with uh, Netflix had a season and then this is the second time around. Um, I think it may legit be done, uh, after this. Um, but that's going to be dropping a few days before that is going to be uh, quarantine Star Wars Day, May the mm-hmm. 4th. Yeah. Uh, which I know, Ben, you're going to be missing the Kessel Run this year, uh, yep. which is a serious bummer. Um, and I hope after I'm done, you'll tell everybody about that, uh, what the what the Kessel Run is, yep. if you haven't done it before. Um, but on, on May 4th, there's going to be uh, a bunch of stuff that's going to be dropping on Disney Plus. There's going to be uh, Rise of Skywalker is going to be available on Disney Plus. Um, I'll be watching it. I know you won't, Ben, and that's fine. Um, there's going to be a new documentary series on the uh, making of the Mandalorian. It's like a whole series on the making of it. Uh, season one of the Mandalorian. Um, the the other news that that came out was uh, they're um, still going ahead and still working on the uh, untitled, uh, as yet untitled, Cassian Andor and K2SO uh, series, the characters from uh, Rogue One, uh, which Ben, you and I know have spoken about our love of that movie on many occasions. Um, But it's going to be a whole series centered around those two characters. They have just added um, Stephen Schiff as the showrunner, for it, um, Stephen Schiff just finished up making uh, the Americans. Don't know if you guys watched that show or not, but yeah, the Americans show. was great excellent. Show. I and, just uh, watched it for the first time ever. It was amazing. Yeah. So he's going to be running uh, nice. the uh, Cassian Andor series, and Tony Gilroy, uh, Academy Award-winning uh, writer, is going to be writing the show. Mm. Um, I think they added uh, Stellan Skarsgård uh, to the cast of it. Um, there's been some other, you know, casting rumors, uh, uh, that have come out. Um, so even in, even in quarantine, uh, big things are happening. Um, I'm super excited for a Cassie and Andor show. 
I think it's going to be awesome. I thought Diego Luna was great in Rogue One. Yeah. Um, Alan Tiddick is playing K2SO in the series. Uh, he was great. I just uh, finally um, started watching Firefly. Uh, ne- I had never watched it. Or, uh, yeah, it was Firefly. Yep. Uh, yep. He was on that show. Uh, just a great character actor. Really funny. Um, I thought he was great in that. So um, big things happening uh, in this, in the star Wars world. Uh, anything that you guys have on your radar that you're looking forward to? Um, I mean, besides the release of rise of Skywalker, so you can watch it at home. Also, <laughs> oh, I can miss all those parts that I didn't hate. <laughs> yeah. They need the six hour cut. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Man, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> anyway, no, well, uh, well, the Kessel run is this, um, kind of pub crawl thing we do with a 50 50 raffle that raises money for make a wish foundation we raised over twenty five hundred dollars last year we were going for four thousand this year and then it got canceled because of the quarantine so we're kind of bummed about that but um we're shooting for august 4th you know god willing god knows but that's kind of the tentative date uh so i think i i invited you lynette and katie got a costume so we had some more people going oh i should Um, start working on that so, yeah, so that's the tentative date, but we're hoping to – we had Perez Hilton uh, do, like, a live kind of tweet about our Kessel Run and raise awareness for it. And I think the the boys that run it are hoping for John Cena, who is a big To Make a Wish fan, wow. uh, to do a live tweet uh, out about the Kessel Run. So, um, yeah, and if you, if you search that, you can actually see Perez Hilton uh, give a shout-out to us. It's really cool. Uh, so, um, so yeah, there's a lot of celebrity awareness. We're trying to raise like double the money every year and try to make it bigger and badder. And, uh, the, the first year we actually did it on the fourth, which was on a Friday. So when we showed up to these places dressed like star Wars characters, (laughs) these people were like, what the hell (laughs) was going on? But now that we do it on Saturday, there's more families out. So, uh, my friend Greg, who dresses like a giant Chewbacca hands out little lightsabers and stuff. And, um, people donate to us like right there, right on the spot. But what it is is a 50-50 run where we actually pick up the tickets that day. And then some of the bar owners that take part in it, um, they donate to us right there on the spot. So that's how we raise so much money. It's it's awesome. Nice. Awesome cause, awesome everything. Um, so that's the big bummer about Star Wars. But um, from what I hear, um, Josh, you mentioned the behind the scenes of uh, The Mandalorian. And one of my favorite uh, – video uh, series on YouTube they, is the uh, VFX artist react and they go into how they made the Mandalorian season one. And I just love that technology of it's a green screen, but it moves three dimensionally with the camera. So um, that's how the show looks so vibrant in a, in a CGI environment. And I think it's the wave of the future of filming and stuff. So I can't wait to see the behind the scenes of what they're going to release. Yeah. Apparently there's some really good Warner Herzog stuff. It also, uh, with him, like, you know, directing from an acting position, you know, directing the director about what he should be doing with the Yoda, the the little baby Yoda puppet and everything. Um, <laughs> it looks awesome. I should uh, listen to that so that, that way I know what to do with my little baby Yoda that just came in the mail yesterday. <laughs> Speaking a German accent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that Werner Herzog work was probably the best on-screen work he did since he was shot on camera. That was just right. amazing. 
Uh, if you haven't seen that, just Google it. Anyway, so um, my second story is uh, I watched another documentary on music. It was on Netflix. It's called The Birth of Cool. It's about the life of Miles Davis. It's on Netflix. came out last uh, end of last year. Uh, I finally got around to it. And so what's tough about covering Miles Davis is he is quite uh, rough around the edges when he talks. So <laughs> the documentary has to be R-rated at least. <laughs> uh, if you guys saw the Don Cheadle movie uh, uh, Miles Miles Ahead, uh, where he plays Miles Davis, he's just, just dropping MF bombs and shooting his revolver in the studio and just going nuts. Uh, How did I miss cocaine. that? Oh my God! It's and and him and Don Cheadle actually got uh, permission from the Davis family to do it and worked with the sons. It, it's it's awesome, awesome movie. Uh, Ewan McGregor plays like a reporter that's covering him. Great, great little flick. It's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, but this documentary, it's tough because there's the Ken Burns jazz that has, of course, a giant run in the middle of it on Miles Davis, John Coltrane. So it's tough to do a Miles documentary and cover new ground, but there's tons of new footage, tons of stuff that they don't cover in that. So a high recommendation. Uh, there's a great John Coltrane documentary out there which he's a fascinating uh, character as well because he died at 42 and he released so much music. Um, and, you know, oh, this is why I was thinking about theater and stuff, just being kind of like a older art form that has seen some uh, wear and tear on its, you know, importance in uh, our culture. You know, jazz is definitely a music form that's supposed to be ingested live you know what i mean like mm. i'm a giant jazz head and i like jazz on record and i like listen to it and i like you know when i was a kid i like playing it on guitar but there's nothing you know there's people that you you play them some jazz they're like oh whatever it's kind of boring or whatever but when you take someone to a jazz club and they see it performed live or you take someone to new orleans and they see live music there's nothing like it and one thing that is has got to be suffering in this quarantine age is live jazz music. So um, I just saw Kamasi Washington in February, right, right before quarantine, which is kind of crazy because that was right before, you know, no travel and stuff. And they're coming from L.A., just touring everywhere. So, you know, that is something that I miss. Um, I hope that everyone takes time to watch a lot of mus- uh, documentaries on this you know, music form. And so when we can go out and venture out of our houses, we can go enjoy stuff like that. My favorite thing from Miles Davis is he said a quote and I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. I was about one of his albums and they were like, so this album, like some people say it's not up to the snuff that we're used to with you. And he's like, look, he's like, I can make shit and people are going to buy shit. So I made shit and people bought it. What do you want? Like, I was just like, wow. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What are you going to do? I think that was also when he was definitely at his highest, but you know, what else? Oh, he's had multiple periods of that. (laughs) (laughs) Just watch the documentary. It's on Netflix. Great stuff. Lynette, what's your third story? My third story is. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to get personal for a little bit. We're going to take it down, take it down, down to Lynette's past. Um, no, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I was just wondering if you guys have had this inclination and or thought process. Um, I I feel like our generation, meaning us that went to school around the same time, like college and high school and middle school, we're ready for this. We, We were of that age where before internet and TV and stuff, we had to 
make do with whatever we had. We had to go play outside. We had to, um, we had to deal with elders and taking care of elders. It was like, you know, well, the youngest person takes care of the oldest person in our family. So go do your job. Like that's what my job was. And through this quarantine, I've been finding myself wanting to start writing like those memories and things. And I actually went, I went for a hike today and I climbed a mountain. Uh, that I saw was, that. Katie says yeah, kudos to you. Katie you. says congratulations. Um, but that mountain was something that had always been a part of my family's folklore. Like we always, we always like, oh, it's the stand, stand around Roman's nose. You go around Roman's nose and there it is. And I knew that they had trails and I've always wanted to hike them, but my family isn't much of hikers. So I finally did it today. But then I started going on this like odyssey with my car and traveling around these old haunts that I never got out. But like I started looking for these old points that were part of that were big in the formation of who I am today. And some of them were there and some of them definitely were not as I remembered. Um, but it makes me want to write these stories down. And I was wondering that in this time of quarantine, I know we talk about entertainment. A lot of the entertainment we talk about is television or um, like movies and things. But I was wondering if it's actually inspired you guys to create your own art, whether it be music or writing or something, um, a form of entertainment for yourself that's personal. Discuss amongst yourselves. Joshua? Uh, it hasn't for me. Oh. Um, I, I have pushed my kids to do more. Um, I, I, the, the, I have never done a lot of my own art, whether it's literary, whether it's music or, or anything like that. It's not been, uh, a, a part of what I do. I, I am a consumer and not a, not a creator. Okay. Um, but I also, I mean, I, a lot of what I do for my for my work is is write. Um, it's not creative writing uh, in a way that it, that it should be. Um, I've I've thought about it. Um, you know, keeping a diary uh, of what's going on, or maybe uh, you know, uh, getting back into writing short stories or something like that. Um, but I, it hasn't really. I haven't gotten to there yet. What I've been doing is is exploring uh, exploring artists I might have missed. Um, right right now, um, I actually the the being able to watch uh, uh, the plot against America. I've been reading my first Philip Roth books, uh, which I had uh, always wanted to read. Um, I finally done it. I've been working on um, Good Omens. The uh, Terry Pratchett and uh, Neil Gaiman book. Uh, so, you know, I, I definitely have been uh, have been consuming and trying to consume as wide a variety uh, of things that I can. Awesome. Did you watch the show Good Omens yet, or no? No. You... No, I wanted to read the book first. Excellent. Good choice. I love the book. I've read it like twice, and then I watched the show, and I love the show. Go forth. Prosper. Ben, I'm gonna, how about you? I know I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> a couple things. Josh, you should totally write your own book. I can't wait. 
It should be called like the Book of War by Josh Tonrad, and and not just one single war, just all wars. It'll just be a book <laughs> about all wars. Do you are you a war person? Like where where is this coming from? Why war? Like like strategery. Uh, <laughs> is that like you pay for the ambiance and serenery? <laughs> we buy no, that ben, book. We pay for the strategery. Ben Ben knows I'm a history buff, but also I have like a. Not, I, I have a really good memory for mm. things. Like it's not encyclopedic, and it's not um, what do you call it? Like a photographic memory, but it's close. Yeah. So you're basically um, the Hermione Granger of war. Yeah, but not yeah. just that. Like all, like all all areas of history. Okay. It's also it's also a lot of baseball knowledge uh, too. Um, oh, yeah. It'd be like oh. a what. It'd be like a Sun Tzu kind of thing, you know, like the art of war. Yeah. No, but I like just, it's like how war pertains the, to baseball. The art of war plus yes. baseball, yes. right? <laughs> how the war, how the war has affected baseball. It's like the art of Zen and motorcycle repair kind of thing. I would actually read that book. So please, yeah. please jump forward, get yeah, through all your stuff, it. and then start writing it. Yeah. Well, the the, the last thing I was, uh, I, I was published when I was in law school, and. And did write like a, it was a long, long piece on uh, different. Uh, well, this is going to be, we're going deep here, but no, it was no. on it was on uh, the way that Native American uh, treaty rights had been, uh, you know, basically co-opted uh, by the passage of different border treaties over the years, like dating back to the pre pre-revolution how it affected Canadian, uh, American, Canadian and Mexican border tribes, um, which, you know, th that's the kind of shit I like to write. <laughs> now who's dropping names? Yeah. Uh, uh, have you read These Truths by uh, Jill, Jill Lepore? No. Read it. I think you'll like it. Mm, okay. It, it's, it's the re, not the revision, but it's literally America's history. Starting from 14, yeah, 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, yes. 1492, um, and it it kind of re it, it outlines how we have managed to um, have this such divisive culture in that we have a superior and inferior culture. I feel like because the champagne's kicking in, I'm not explaining this as well as I could, I know, I but just watch it. It sounds like uh, Howard Zinn's book, uh, A People's History of the United States, or um, Jared Diamond's uh, uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel. Yeah, but it's written by a very... woman. Okay. <laughs> I... <laughs> These truths, it's on the list. All right. All right, I want to hear Ben's creative answer. Oh, oh thank you. Oh, uh, well, I have been... Uh... In the studio, in the in the lab, putting pen to a pad, and I have been writing some lyrics down, and I've been contacting some, you know, because you guys know, like, big part of my life is playing music and jamming out, whether it be with Dan or Steph or Rick or you know people around here. I've been contacting them, you know, texting them, and I don't know, it's it's really tough to not just jam a goofy song. So, um, I've been writing some stuff down. Uh, I haven't got to guitar yet with the stuff. I so like the way the way my process works is um, I I write and then when something strikes me then I I pick up the guitar and jam some chords, uh, but I have been 
thinking about releasing older music that I've recorded over the years and putting them up on YouTube. That's my next project. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like really old stuff. We're talking over 10 years. I, so I've recorded, I have this awesome Tascam recorder that records like crazy bands playing live. And I have our friends just playing like live all these different places. I've been thinking about uploading them and it's just about time and getting into the computer and doing it. So, uh, Josh, what's your third story today, buddy? Uh, speaking of people who are out there being creative, creating during the uh, the epidemic here or the pandemic, um, the uh, there's a new podcast series uh, on uh, that the Ringer put out. It's on Spotify. Um, I have been downloading it through iTunes. Um, it's called Way Down in the Hole, mm. and it's the, uh, it's a deep dive series on the wire. Uh, still the greatest television series ever made. Is it? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Questionable. Uh, mm. Yeah, I mean, Mad Men's pretty close, but yeah. I'd love to. I want to. All right. But I, so I want to have this conversation with you, Lynette. What's better? Yeah. Don't ask me now. I'm a bottle of champagne in. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> Oh yeah, well you a big big talk talking. I mean, I am I am a Matt. I am a like rewatching. I recently rewatched Mad Men, and it was flawless. Like there was not a single episode rewatching it that I I, that I was like, oh they fucked that up or oh oh that was disappointing. No, like it was impeccable all the way through. Oh yeah. Uh, um, now can make, you can make a strong, strong case for that. The, the Mad Men is very theatrical. Like you, the, Mad Men could be a stage play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's so a theater person. I could see it screaming to you. You know what I mean? Um, that's true because the costumes and everything else and the hair. Yeah. And, oh. yeah. Now with the wire, I will ask you this because I am not. I am a novice when it comes to the wire. I've only gotten through, I think, the first three seasons. And I think <laughs> oh, God. Before. Oh, no. oh, God. What are you talking about? Yeah, what the shit? So I should continue is what you're telling me. The the the, old, the more seasons are better, the later seasons. Well, I, I think the fourth season, and I've, I've definitely discussed this with Ben before. Yeah. I think the fourth season of The Wire is the best season of television that's ever been made. All right. It's, well, then I will that continue. Good. Well, so Josh, so fourth is the kids, right? And then fifth yeah. is the reporters. Yeah. I really like the reporters. I mean, it's, I like that a lot of people don't like the fifth season. I like or, it. And, I, and I, you know what? I shouldn't say don't like it. It's not that. I mean, people people like The Wire like The Wire in all of those seasons. And maybe you think the fifth is the weakest season, and maybe you think the second is the weakest season. Um, but the fourth one is, I, I mean, it's everything's a tearjerker and yeah. everything's like, it's so beautiful and tragic. And, um, you know, you have new characters introduced that are just great characters for the show. Uh, I think Snoop and Chris, uh, come into the, come into the series in, in the fourth season. <laughs> Wait, they keep going through the fifth though, right? Or yeah, they, they do. End? Okay. They yeah, do, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the bodies start showing up, you know, the, the nail gun and everything. That's all the fourth fourth season. No, no, nobody's getting killed with a nail gun. Don't Wait worry. a minute. The f- no, 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 no. I don't care about that. Let him be killed by a nail gun. Uh, fourth season. 
first season is the drug deals, right? The first season well, is, is like the wire itself, like right. getting the getting the gang together and everything. Right. It's old school beepers and pagers and right. yeah. burner phones. Right, right. And then the second season is the second season the wharf. Yes, the longshoreman. Okay, and then what's the third season? It's back to the. Right. It's it's back to the Barksdale gang, but it also focuses Ball. on right. it, it. also focuses on like the politics of City Hall. Yes. The, okay, the so mayoral the, election. Oh, Mayor, Mayor Carcetti. Yeah, Tommy Carcetti shows up like that's little finger. Little fingers. Mayor Carcetti. Yes. Yeah. But I've either <laughs> finished. I've either finished third season or I'm halfway through third season. I'm in third season. Oh, stick with Lynette. The fourth season's gonna make you cry every. Okay. Episode. Yeah. And well, here's the thing. I know about a series that makes me cry every episode, and I think it's almost flawless. Is This Is Us? That's another one. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it's <laughs> that, that was a little soap opery for me. Yeah. I mean, so I, 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 I could... the, the difference between like the wire and that is things that happen season one affect season five in the wire. Yes. How yeah. does that differ from This Is Us? it's different because it's less episodic. Okay. Because the wire, it's not like every episode, there's a wrapped up mini story. It's like, a like sometimes, sometimes you'll finish an episode and almost nothing happens plot wise. It'll just be character development. Almost like Mad Men, Mad Men. Yeah. You can make a develop, you can make a, a case for Mad Men. I could see someone making a case for Breaking Bad, which isn't my favorite show. I think I, I actually like Better Call Saul than Breaking Bad now, um, where you could have a whole episode that is all character development. And The Wire, the reason why it's so revered, I believe, this is just me going off, um, is because it's the first show to have a, the, the balls to have an episode where it's just all character development. No plot happens or, or barely any plot happens. Where Not I'm breaking. Even- not even NYPD Blue? I thought they did all character development on some of their episodes. Maybe. You can make a case for that. You can make a case that they, they did that, or Homicide Life on the Streets did that, oh, too. I forgot about Homicide. I loved Homicide. So homicide, was, that was David Simon. Uh, he had also done The Corner. Uh, he did Homicide and The Corner before he did uh, um, The Oh, Wire. that's right. Great. Uh, subsequent to that, he did the he did Treme, he did the Deuce, and now uh, the the plot against America. Um, actually, this is a good time to plot uh, or to uh, to uh, plug Alan Seppenwall's book, uh, "The Revolution Will Be Televised," mm. which is an outstanding book. Uh, ben yeah, Lynette, still has have, Ben still you, has my copy of that. I, I read believe. the shit out of it. I, I if you want to beg, I should give it to Lynette. Lynette, have you read that? No, but I've got like two Audible credits, so I'm sure I can get it. Uh, it's an excellent, it's an excellent oh. book. I mean, like the first chapter really talks about uh, Stephen Bochco's work on Hill Street Blues and NYPD Blue, um, leading up to um, I think the I think it tackles Oz is really the first show. Oz and then uh, the Shield. Let's do the Shield next, and then yeah. Sopranos. Uh, no, the, the Sopranos uh, right. oh, and uh, Deadwood. Deadwood. I mean, there's a, there, oh, so there's a there's a bunch in there. Is um, Deadwood? Deadwood worth watching? Oh yeah. yeah I had trouble. I, I had trouble getting into it. Um, but but I know Timothy Oliphant's like just fantastic in it. And, I'll watch uh, anything with him. He's my man. Um, 
Uh, who's uh, uh, who's uh, Swearinger? Uh, um, Ian McShane. Ian McShane. I met him in uh, Hamilton, New York. <laughs> awesome. Is wait, is Ian McShane the guy with the dark hair with the English accent? Yes, Jonathan. Yep. He's the head of the Continental in John Wick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also in. Um, he's in um, American Gods, aka yep. another Neil Gaiman book. Just letting you know, Josh. Yeah. No, I know. I know. <laughs> he was. He was. Uh, he was in a single episode of uh, of Game of Thrones. Also. Yes. Like famously, let it go that he was. Uh, he actually died before the episode came out, <laughs> and then. When yep. people complained, he said, "It's just a show about tits and dragons. Why do you? Why is everybody getting so worked up?" <laughs> uh, b- before I uh, before I forget, uh, why I wanted to uh, to plug this um, the the way down in the hold uh, podcast. It's uh, Jamel Hill. Uh, he used to be on uh, ESPN, and I say used to be, yeah, because she was let go from ESPN for calling uh, the president a white supremacist, which he is. Which he is. And, and, for, telling, <laughs> and for saying that uh, if uh, you know, Jerry Jones was going to be such an asshole about his players uh, protesting that uh, fans should boycott uh, Cowboys sponsors, which they should do. So that gets you fired from ESPN. Um, Jamel Hill's awesome. Her other podcast is great, but she's she's yep. great on this. Uh, Van Lathan, uh, who used to be at TMZ, uh, who's a writer for The Ringer also, uh, is the co-host. Um, they're feeling their way through. They've done four episodes so far, so the first four episodes of The Wire. Um, it's so much fun to listen to people talk about the show mm. uh, and doing deep, deep dives on it. Um, they, Josh. Josh. Yeah. Quick question. Sure. Favorite theme song version? Uh, because I am a Tom Waits fan, I'm going to see the Tom Waits version of Me it. Me too. Me too. Me too. That's um, season two. It came out, right? It is season two. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I like, I can't, like when that music showed up on Tiger King, like I got chills in my spine. Me too. And, and Kelly was like in the other room working heard me watching it and she's like, why are they playing the wire song? Cause we watched it. So I'm going to tell you a little, a little story. So when we were watching the wire, uh, in, in 2009, uh, you know, just as I think the show was just wrapping up, I think they were just wrapping up their fifth season and we were kind of racing the clock to watch the first four seasons, um, before the fifth season can come out. Um, and unfortunately the birth of Matilda got in the way. So we were stuck in the hospital for, a few, for five days after she was born. And on the last day that we were there, they needed to show us a movie before they would let us leave with her about shaken baby syndrome. So they left us in a room with a DVD player and we totally took the shaken baby uh, DVD out and watched episodes of the wire until they came in and found us. <laughs> Oh my God, that's as, great. As a nurse, <laughs> I disagree with that completely. As a theater like yeah. fan, as a I totally agree. I totally agree. We've we had read more books and and gone to classes and everything else. Like I didn't need a, a video to tell me what was like not to shake Matilda. What I needed to see what was going to happen to Dookie Weems. That's what I needed to see. My name's Cheese. 
<laughs> What's gonna happen to Cheese, bro? <laughs> what a great character. But uh, you know, it's sort of my favorite. You know, my favorite part of this new podcast is the the fresh take on Idris Elba and yeah. Stringer Bell, who's oh. like who's such a great character. And and I mean, this was what really put Idris Elba on the map. He's awesome as as Stringer Bell. But there's been this whole thing of like Stringer Bell. Is he really that good? Uh, on it. Um, wait, wait, the, wait, 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 wait. Is he that good as an actor or the character? No, 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 no. no. Stringer Bell. Like, is mm. he a good? Is he a good drug dealer? Like, is he a good drug well, kingpin? Well, uh, I always thought him as as. Uh, I always thought, what's uh, what do you call the character in uh, Godfather? What's Tom, uh, the financier guy? What's the consigliere? Yeah, I, I always thought of him as that. Like he, yeah, he's like he really like. Tell people to deal drugs. Yeah, he takes over. He's like the second in command. But I I know, but he's kind of like the side guy. Like he he orders. He's kind of behind. Like it's not like Tom cut the heads the head or the horse's head off. It's like right. he knew guys that the the Corleones told to cut the heads but, off. But like Tom Hagen never ends up in charge. Like fucking yeah. spoiler spoiler alert. <laughs> Avon Barksdale ends up in prison, and For Stringer Bell's the one running the running the towers. Uh, but poor D'Angelo. Yeah. Rest in peace, peace D'Angelo. Yeah. Um, but Jamel has the uh, Stringer Bell fuckboy of the week moment uh, for every <laughs> every episode, and in the first the first episode, she said, um, "I had to I had to write it down and quote it because it's hilarious." Uh, that being the smartest guy in a room full of dumb motherfuckers doesn't make you smart. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, close that door. <laughs> That's the best line, right? Yeah. Isn't that what well, he says every time? <laughs> but there's that, like, the, I don't know if it's in the first or second season when he's like, they're, they're at the funeral parlor and he's making him do Robert's Rules of Order as they're having their meeting. That's definitely in the second one. Yeah. Because <laughs> I took that. That one I liked. I like that part. <laughs> so they're they're four episodes in. They just the last uh, the last episode was um, or the last podcast that that they did was on Tuesday uh, was called Old Cases. Um, that's the episode that famously opens with the fucking motherfucker scene. Oh, great! Um, McNulty great and Bunk. Yeah, and uh, was that written by Kevin Smith? Should <laughs> <laughs> uh, be David David Simon and Ed Burns. Man, the oh, legends. So good. Um. So it, it's the I, I'm loving the podcast because it's just such an awesome trip down down memory lane, um, and to watch those uh, those episodes again, I'm really looking forward to it. Now it's free. HBO now is is uh, yeah. a whole bunch of it is free for everybody. Yep. So there's no excuse now to not watch The Wire or to watch you know The Sopranos if you didn't see it. Like we're we're I think that may be the next thing we tackle. Um, I don't think Rome is on there. Like that's another series that I just absolutely love. See, uh, I, Carnival. Carnival yeah, is the one yeah, that Carnival. I really wish. Oh, great show. I wish they had continued on with that. Right. I could see that show being really great if they kept it going. Yeah. Um, you know, that there's there's a lot of good options out there. Um, but if you I think a really cool way to do it would be to watch The Wire. And then download the download the podcast episode and hear uh, Jamel Hill and Van Lathan's take on it. Awesome! It's super, super good, super awesome. good. Awesome! 
Awesome, Josh. Great, great third story. Um, guys, we're going to do something, what we call in the biz, called a segue, because my third story is actually a YouTube. What? Check it out. Check it out. Because we're going to talk about something. So, Josh, we're going to go down memory lane, you and me. All right. All right. Go back 10 years, almost literally 10 years from now. And I just bought this house that I'm standing in. And I think you and Kelly moved to a- Avon maybe a couple years before that. Uh, yeah, I've been here since 2008. 2008, great. And I remember I showed you this show because I got like, I moved into this house and I think I got DirecTV free for like a year or something like that. And I was like, ooh, cable. And I was going nuts. <laughs> and I got uh, Showtime for free. And of course, you know, what's Ben going to watch? Something, you know, mainstream or something that's like popular? No, of course. I'm going to dig through the recesses of Showtime. And I found this show called Dave's Old Porn. Josh, you remember that show? Yeah, I do. Lynette, have you ever heard of Dave's Old Porn? No. Okay, Dave Attell. He used to do Up, Up, Up. Wait, what was it? Late Night with Dave Attell? Was that yeah. the name of the show? Uh, Insomniac. Insomniac with David Tell, which is a great show. He's a comedian. So, Lynette, what this show is, is David Tell and other comedians watch old adult film clips, and they make fun of them like Mystery Science Theater 3000. What? You, and the reason why this is a YouTube is you can buy the series only, exclusively, on YouTube. I found it today. I can't believe it. You can buy each season for $9. Oh, so, wow. Let me tell you who's on these shows. Whitney Cummings is on there and Ron Jeremy. The Scalar Brothers, Chelsea Handler, uh, Bill Burr, Adam Carolla, Jim Norton, Margaret Cho, Greg Greg Fitzsimmons, which was a great one. So they all go through these different adult movies and make fun of the stars. He has interviews with the actual stars. Both seasons are on there. I cannot recommend this show high enough. Josh, I hadn't seen it since we watched it, since I moved into this house. And I was dying. I was laughing so hard today. Like, I almost fell off the couch because this show is great. I, what, what, what do you think? Like, there's something about this show that is very close to X-rated. <laughs> is, there not <laughs> enough, is there not enough spotlight on old adult movies in today's culture? Is this, like, so beyond our PC culture that we will never be able to even make fun of them? What, what's, the, what, what's, what's your guys' uh, take on the... Uh, you know, the, the uh, I don't know, the uh, state of adult movies in today's culture. Do people watch adult movies anymore? Oh, yeah. I, well, I feel, they watch well, no. Up. No, right. no, no, I think that's like, what I mean. I think it's movies. just porn and, and, like, you porn. Right. These are yeah. full-on movies. I mean, I suppose you could just search vintage when you get on there. I mean, I don't know what you're going to find. Not that I've done that before. Yeah. But as you know, as a kid that worked in a video store with an adult room, I just want to give a shout out to these old school VHS tapes that were in there with movies with plot and stuff like that. Dave's old porn is exclusively on YouTube for $9 a season, just two, two seasons. It says 2011 here, Josh, but I bought this house. It's, it's awesome, and I, I can't wait to watch these all. Like, we watched the first couple episodes. I was laughing so hard. And uh, Lynette, seriously, this was right up your alley, just oh, yeah. for many reasons. <laughs> well, I mean, we used to do that 
we used to do that in high school and college. Right. I mean, we used to sit and watch Skinamax and make fun of them. I, I remember distinctly, and I'm going to throw a shout out to Derek Ricaldi's suite. Derek Ricaldi's suite, mm. Studio 54. I don't know what. Oh, yeah, because I think they were 5'4". <laughs> uh, we would watch Iron Chef and yeah. turn. Once Iron Chef was over, we turned to Skinamax and watch Skinamax and critique it. And then the rest of the night was dance party. Right. I don't know well, if that's lame or good. I don't know. I don't know. I love <laughs> I, I love me some Iron Chef. And you can watch all of the Iron Chef original Japanese series on YouTube and these right here. So yes. you can relive those days. Lynette, oh, my Ooh. God. I, you have to purchase them. They're only $9. So it's I'm, a, not, I'm not purchasing nothing to relive. Dude, I'm, I'm not, just going to move is there a way that we can pirate this? Yeah. Uh, I really tried. <laughs> and when, when I talk about really try, all right. Like, I mean, there's stuff that, get, you know, you don't want to talk about on air. But, you know, I did the Cody Fire Stick. I did the bootleg search on, like, the dark web, Vimeo, Movies 1, 2, 3. You name a bootleg website. I tried, I've been trying to find this show forever. And when it came across it for $9, I hollered and I jumped right at it. Because... I could rewatch these shows. They're so epic. You can't beat them. So that is my intro to YouTube and kids. So on Woo. YouTube, there's great clips of uh, David Tell and Bill Burr. If it, you know, for free, you can see clips from the show. Bill Burr talking about his first porno movie. So awesome. So that's my YouTube and for the week. Lynette, what's your YouTube and for the week? My YouTubing for the week is obviously the Sondheim 90th birthday celebration. It's well worth it. Um, you have Meryl, Meryl, Meryl Streep. Uh, <laughs> Meryl Streep. Audrey McDonald. And um, Christy Krakowski. I can never remember how to say her last name. They're all doing Ladies That Lunch. The three of them together. I, I don't think... I think that ticket would go for... Probably a thousand dollars at least minimum if you try to see the three of them together in New York City. So um, it's well worth it. I say take a look, if especially if you love Sondheim music. Um, yeah, I have to admit, I slacked on the YouTubing. That's all I got. Oh, that was good. That was good. Uh, Josh, what do you got for this week? Uh, a couple of different things. First, first off, from our last, uh, the last time I was on, did you guys watch the, uh, the portals is done by a hundred trombonists after I gave you the, uh, gave you the recommendation. I did right after I, uh, Katie and I and Deacon watched Endgame on the projector in the basement, put it right. The <laughs> F on, it was epic. Awesome. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed that. So a couple of, a couple of things, uh, actually before we went on air, um, uh, I was telling Ben about a, a channel that I came across called click productions c-l-i-q-u-e um and it's just a dude doing like lengthy 10-year simulations of nba careers uh doing using uh, nba 2k20 um so perfect combination if you're an nba fan and video game fan if you want to see uh how you know potentially yao ming's career could have turned out differently uh or the entire decade of the 2010s uh the, the, they're long. The guy talks really fast. Um, but if you liked having video games where you could, you know, simulate entire careers, things like that, I I love that kind of stuff. Uh, what so did happen to Yao Ming? Uh, he made a, a boatload of money 
Um, but the dude was like seven, seven and, uh, his, just, his legs didn't hold up. Yeah. Yeah. He just actually, I believe he is either this year, he was either last year, uh, inducted into the NBA hall or the basketball hall of fame in uh, Springfield, or it's, he's scheduled to be this year. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's this because yeah. it's not an NBA Hall of Fame. It's just overall basketball. Basket. I mean, dude, dude is an icon. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, and since we were talking about uh, uh, porn uh, before, a couple of uh, food porn uh, channels mm-hmm. I've been watching a lot of. Um, uh, Binging with Babish, which is like I know it's famous one. Oh, I just uh, got into that. I just got into that though too. Totally. Uh, so I've been loving it. Um, I think it's a really cool, like, the, you know, the videos are like six, seven minutes long. Uh, a lot of fun to watch. He does a lot of, uh, you know, recipes from famous TV shows, things like that. I actually used uh, his, a combination of my aunt's recipe and his recipe or, or his mimic of um, uh, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel's uh, brisket uh, for Passover. Like that was the recipe that I used to make brisket here. Oh. Uh, so, um, that was really cool. And then, um, uh, how to barbecue, right. How to BBQ, right. One word. Um, not because like the guy's interesting or anything like that. Um, but dude just has a smoker, um, as a competition barbecuist. I made his rib recipe this week and it kicked ass. Um, and the videos are really easy and it's very well explained. Um, and it's grilling season is coming. Um, you know, like I said, fired up the smoker for the first time this past weekend. Uh, and I can't wait to do it some more. Um, so food porn, binging with Babish, and how to barbecue right. Was nice. the, I, I just subscribed to that guy. Awesome. Was the brisket from the Hagdala, the Miss Maisel Hagdala, that you had to order like a shit ton of Maxwell House coffee to get? Uh, it may have been, I didn't, I don't remember it from the episode. I remember her bringing, having to bring it to, uh, did you watch the marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Oh yeah. You guys watched it? Okay. Yeah. All right. So I remember her having to bring it so that her husband could get like on the stage. Right. It's like early in the series. Um, I don't know how we can, how it was connected to her. Um, but it was, you know, on it, it's Midge Maisel's Passover, uh, brisket. And, um, you know, I got rave reviews for it. Everybody in the house liked it. The, the official recipe is in the Miss Maisel's Hagdala that you got because I ordered Maxwell House coffee like two years ago. I think it was when first season came out. Um, so, and it has, even comes with a wine stain on it. It's fun. Um, really? If, yeah. It's very oh, cool. cool. Did you grow up with the Maxwell House Haggadah? No. Or no? Okay. I, I converted to Judaism. I'm only, I'm what, five years, six years a Jew? Oh, congratulations. Yeah, I'm a new Jew. Thanks. Sorry. Right. <laughs> 40 years. You'll get over it. Um, <laughs> ah, nice one. <laughs> uh, but that, like, if you, like, Maxwell House had, like, the the Haggadah that everybody had, yeah, because you could get it at the grocery store. It's the one like everybody had. Everybody had like a, you know, their own different one. But if they if you needed like a mass produced Haggadah, um, it was it was definitely the Maxwell House one. I just picked Judaism because I wanted to be chosen by someone. <laughs> I'm joking. And 
<laughs> now I feel sad. I'm joking. No, I really, I've been chosen by Aww. me. I mean, I have lots of <laughs> many, 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 many. That's a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the many is to infinity and beyond. No, wait. Oh, sorry. All right. What else you got? What are we gonna? What are we doing now? Nothing. That's it, no. kids. Guys, Nothing. if you want to watch, if you want to see uh, uh, what we do in the shadows, the original movie, it's on FX tonight. Uh, Thank you. It's nice. Nice. It's a great movie. I'm going to go watch more of uh, Dave's old porn and check that out. I, <laughs> I saw all season two. I'm going to go pass out drunk because I drank a whole bottle of champagne during this. Awesome. Well, Chris, I hope we didn't Fabulous. ruin your podcast network by drinking champagne <laughs> and going nuts and talking about porn. But it broke, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Desperately Seeking Entertainment. Guys, anything you want to plug or anything you want to say on the way out? Just keep supporting those nurses. We're trying our hardest. We're working diligently to keep your people safe and healthy. So please stay home and stay hate. You know, that wow. all, all that spiel. Josh, find, uh, find your local food bank and send them a check. They need it. Heck oh, yeah. yeah. That's, Sorry, that's I just one. realized one of my nurses that I used to work with was just featured in the New York Times Ooh. as a COVID, COVID unit nurse. Nice. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Um, also, on top of uh, supporting your local food bank, uh, up here in, in the Madison County, which is a rural kind of county, we have tons of local produce stands and local uh, farm stands and local uh, butcher shops. So we've been kind of buying meat from them and kind of bulk buying all that stuff. So support all those guys because we want them around uh, having fresh meat and fresh produce. That's always awesome. So from all of us at the On Stage Blog Network, we would like to wish you a happy quarantine and uh, stay safe out there. And uh, we will see you next week. Bye. See ya.